Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you again for joining us on your favorite radio station. In studio today, Steve Link, the broker at Piper's Auction and Realty and Piper's Farmland Management, joining us today as the co-host. Our first guest today is going to be Ben Tilburg. He's a farmland manager for Piper's Farmland Management in Wisconsin. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, hey, appreciate you being on with us. Uh, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about progress and the uh, planting season here to, uh, today and where we are in, in a lot of the states here in, in the Midwest, in the Northern Plains. Uh, obviously, there is a lot of concern in North Dakota in particular. Uh, North Dakota seems to be lagging most notably in, in most of their, their planting progress. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But in Minnesota and South Dakota, they're not faring a whole lot better either. Uh, Minnesota, which a week ago uh, had 94 of its uh, uh, corn acres planted by the 15th last year, now only has 35% in the ground. Uh, for 2022, but they're coming along a lot further than North Dakota. And we're going to talk to Ben here a little about it, bit and uh, just see what, what type of progress the farmers are making in Wisconsin because they are a big player when it comes to corn and, and soybeans, particularly nowadays when a lot of the corn over there now, uh, more so than, than normal, uh, is being used for other uses other than for dairy uh, cattle consumption. So, Ben, uh, how are things going over in the state of Wisconsin? Well, the state of Wisconsin is is fair and probably a little bit better than uh, central and west central Minnesota and North Dakota. Um, was down by Milwaukee here um, this weekend, and they're actually cutting their first crop of hay and alfalfa they they put some of that down this weekend most of the corn is starting to come up uh haven't seen any beans coming up talked to a tenant this morning over in western wisconsin they are finishing their bean planting they have uh, a bunch of soybeans at the plant all of their corn is up um one of the big things that happened here this la uh last night is a, a major hard frost hit the area. Yeah, interesting. So that's uh, that's a unusual phenomenon for this time of the year, or, or isn't it for that part of the part of Wisconsin? Well, it is. Uh, in talking with that tenant in western uh, Wisconsin, they actually missed the frost. However, uh, in central Wisconsin and south, we had we had gotten hit pretty pretty hard last night with a hard frost. Uh, no beans were up, so nothing was really affected. However, um, you know, last year, interestingly enough, uh, April 15th of last year, a lot of a lot of crops were planted. It was really a favorable spring. And coming into this year, everybody was a little uh, taken back by all the rain. However, everybody's you know busting butt trying to get everything in, and then this frost hits, and everybody is you know kind of back on their heels. But Actually, it couldn't have came at a better time. Uh, last year, most of the crops were up, and there was a lot of soybeans that had to be replanted. This year, when the frost came here this or last night, uh, most of the soybeans and corn is still on the ground, hasn't even came up yet. So really protected. Um, and then most of the corn that's came up is in the two-leaf, and so um, really frost-tolerant that way. 
Folks, you're listening to Ben Tilberg, who's a farmland manager for Pfeiffer's Farmland Management in the state of Wisconsin. He also covers a greater part of Minnesota for, for Pfeiffer's. And what we're talking about today is that farmers in the Corn Belt are behind on planting crops in 2022, uh, mostly driven by cool and wet weather, keeping them out of their fields when normally uh, a bulk of their crop is in. Many are now obviously racing to get their corn and soybeans planted before they reach the cutoff dates for federal crop insurance programs. So I talked to a number of farmers and ranchers over the weekend, and a lot of them were pretty much all wrapped up, even in the state of North Dakota, by the middle of May with their corn in 2021. And I believe it was a USDA report that came out uh, recently uh, for, I think it was the May 16th date, in the state of North Dakota, most farmers a year ago were practically done, and only about Steve, only about two to five percent was planted this year on that particular date. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's way way behind from what we're used to and accustomed to, and you know we all have short memories, and so this last year was such a wonderful spring for people getting crops in, and and this year has been much more of a challenge. But uh, you know, in the last few days, people are really rolling; they're getting across it. Um, I talked to some people in western um, Minnesota that got hit bad by those storms. Um, and, uh, so they're going to have some challenges here come this fall for, for storage because of grain bins, uh, getting blown down and, and things like that. But, you know, they're out there rolling, they're getting as they're getting the crop in, they are going around the wet spots cause they don't feel like they have time to wait for those wet spots to dry up. And so, um, but it's fun to see everybody out there rolling. Yeah. You know, when you look at it and you talk to a lot of farmers, you know, obviously they, you know, the window is closing on whether or not they're going to be planting certain crops. And, you know, some of that is driven by federal crop insurance deadlines. You have to have your crop planted before such and such a date before coverage will actually kick in, you know, and and, in some of those, the window is basically closed, Uh, you know, whether or not USDA will open that back up or whether the federal crop insurance corporation will open that back up and extend it uh, remains to be seen, but everybody's going to have to sit down and make some decisions on what they want to do as far as planting certain crops moving forward. And obviously the nice part about this part of the state uh, or this part of the country, Steve, is there, there's a lot of diversification, you know, climate wise, we got um, obviously great opportunities here now going forward for many different crops. When you take a look at it, you know, you could be, you know, if you, if you miss the deadline on wheat or if you don't feel like you can get a good wheat crop in this late in the game, uh, or maybe you still can put in uh, put in different crops, maybe like dryable beans or sunflowers or something like that too. No, that, no, that's a good point because you know um, all of the commodity prices are 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 up, and so if you do have to change horses, it's not like you're going to take a significant significant loss from what you were planning on planting versus what what what's available to you. So Ben, I got a question for you out in Wisconsin. You said you had somebody making their first cutting. Do they do they typically plan out there for four four cuttings in a year, or is it uh, less than that or more than that? Yeah, usually uh, they plan for between four and five cuttings a year. Uh, you know, really depends on the fall. Most of the time, it's it's four good cuttings. Um, as you get into the southern part of Wisconsin, they might get an extra one in there. Um, I was actually really surprised on how tall the alfalfa was uh, down in the southern part of Wisconsin this weekend. Um, You know, up here in central Wisconsin, we're probably, uh, as far as biomass goes, we're probably about half of what southern Wisconsin is right at this point. Yeah, and I would guess to hear Minnesota and and North Dakota were were even less than that because it, it, 
the grasses and the and the and the clovers and stuff have been just recently really starting to put on put on growth. Ben, a uh, couple of things I wanted to visit with you about too going forward here now into 2022. You know, talking a lot about getting the corn and soybean crop in. Uh, you know, last year we're coming off uh, you know some pretty decent yields in your part of the country, and obviously we all know where the commodity prices are today and relative to where they were in 2019, 2020, you know, 21, we started seeing a little bit of rally now in 2022, you know, whether, you know, the delays in the, uh, uh, the planting seasons, uh, around here, whether it's in uh, parts of Minnesota, North Dakota and Northern South Dakota. Uh, but then you also have to take into a factor, you know, some of the, uh, terrible things that are happening over in Ukraine. Obviously, there's going to be some shortages of, of crops to to feed a, a huge portion of that part of the world. What are you seeing in the state of Wisconsin right now uh, as far as some of the more dynamic, more profitable areas, whether it's corn, soybeans? I know you got a lot of organic farming, obviously dairy. Um, let's, let's start off with the dairy first. What is your assessment where we are in the dairy industry as far as the financial health? of the dairy industry? The dairy industry is is really dynamically powerful right now. Uh, the milk price has been very good um, in the last three, four months. Uh, dairy producers are have planted a more of a dual purpose uh, corn uh, silage. Uh, it's a dual purpose uh, corn seed so that way you know, depending on what kind of tonnage they get off their silage, they'd be able to use it um, in order for, you know, to, to capitalize on some of those corn prices. Really, things really haven't changed a whole lot. Dairy is a very consistent, you know, a consistent uh, commodity as far as planting um, and harvesting crops. It really dictates the, the corn or the, the milk price. The milk price is powerful. They're able to, you know, start doing some investments and, in, some of their equipment uh, haven't seen a lot of new equipment. You know, these dairy farmers—they've uh, been here once before. Um, they don't ride that that uh, new paint train very often, so they they've really been investing in in just doing those projects that they haven't been able to do the last five years with depressed prices. You know, I want to talk to you about that, uh, the investment in and the capital investment in dairy production when we come back after our break. Folks, you've been listening to Ben Tilburg. He's a farmland manager for Pfeiffer's Farmland Management in the state of Wisconsin and also covers a large portion of central and eastern Minnesota managing farmland for individual owners and trust companies and uh, investors for uh, managing their farmland, making sure that they're getting a fair return on their land and creating that win-win situation that we always talk about between the landowner and the farmer so that everybody can at least make something on it. And it looks like, you know, these, like like Ben's talking about, really some pretty interesting and dynamic times. Before we go to our break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for sponsoring our show on your favorite radio station every week and also for sponsoring our our podcasts on Apple and Spotify. You can reach our friends at Pfeiffer's at 877-700-4099 or you can email them at info at Pfeiffer's.com if you want to talk to any of their farmland or equipment auctioneers or their farmland managers or their real estate agents. You can give them a call or email them, like I said, at info at Pfeiffer's.com. Nobody does it better. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back 
after this break. $1,000 bit, $2,000 wear, $1,750 here now too. Sold your way for $1,750. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Piper, America's Land Auctioneer. Appreciate you joining us here again this fine Saturday morning. Thank all of you for listening to us every week here on your favorite radio station. And also, just a reminder, if you can't listen to all of our shows, you can go to Pipers.com and you can listen to all of our previous podcasts on Apple or Spotify all 65, six, seven of them, whatever we have on there, Spencer, right? So we got a whole slew of them there if you want to listen to any, any subject from easements to oil and mineral rights to all different types of topics. So again, uh, if you want to do that, you can just get into pifers.com and go to the radio banner uh, on that particular website and then also go into our podcast. Folks, our co-host today is Steve Link, the broker at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management. And Ben Tilburg is our guest today. Ben is a farmland manager for Pfeiffer's Farmland Management in Wisconsin and also in central and eastern Minnesota. Does a fantastic job and actually has extensive uh, experience in agronomy and also actually helps his brother-in-law out on the dairy farm. So he's a hands-on guy, which we like at Pfeiffer's. That kind of fits the DNA pretty well there. But prior to our previous break, we were talking about uh, the health of the dairy industry, and, and, and Ben categorized it as dynamic, uh, which is meaning somewhat profitable at this point. And, but, it, but Ben, it's, it's not one of those parts or uh, factions of American agriculture that you can get in and out of real quickly. Obviously, um, you know, there's all kinds of regulations for putting in a dairy, all the inspections that you need to go through and make sure that uh, the quality of milk is, is there and it's safe and all of that. But then the financial investment on top of it, you know, whether you're buying the, the premium cows that you need for milk production, and but then also the facilities. So what type of uh, investment are you seeing now in the state of Wisconsin with the dairy industry as dynamic as it is today? Yeah, the, the dairy industry in Wisconsin, you know, it's a, like you said, Kevin, it, it's a, one of those, one of those uh, industries where you kind of have to ease yourself into um, there are a lot of empty barns across the countryside, a lot of them in Minnesota, quite a few in Wisconsin. It's really, really unfortunate. You know, we, you know, a lot of this, these dairy barns and, and facilities and the buildings and the silos, they kind of get abandoned, so to speak, because, you know, you need land in order to have cows, right? You know, you got to have land to support the cows. And oftentimes the land gets sold separate from the buildings and so when someone tries to get back into the dairy industry, they have to buy the cows and then rent the land and then slowly buy the land back. So really, in a way, it kind of cushions itself from oversupply immediately. But initial investments, there's a lot of uh, barns being rented and uh, the infrastructure and the, the piping and the tanks and everything that needs to get invested in is being purchased kind of slowly at a time to buy 10 or 15 cows, they got to get their inspection. So, you know, there's been some small investment because of the high prices, but, you know, everybody's still hesitant. You know, it, it you know, everybody remembers uh, six, eight months ago where the prices weren't as good as they are now. All right. Are you seeing uh, investments on a more larger scale too, or is it like you say, is it more just kind of ramping up slowly? And obviously, it, you know, it depends on everybody's capital ability and, and wherewithal. 
But again, are you seeing any uh, major dairies being built or is it all, you know, mostly people with that footprint and they're just kind of ramping things up more slowly? So the major investment that I see right now, I have a friend that actually sells uh, the, um, uh, uh, like, Bomatic um, milking systems that uh, that will milk 65 cows. So the cows walk in there, um, they'll, they'll get milked and they walk out. So it really saves on labor. Labor is a huge issue right now in dairy. And where the expansion is is, is they're buying these automated milking, like whether Bomatic or whether they're um, Lely's or uh, they're buying these, these milking systems because they can't find labor. So the investment's actually coming in technology rather than, than uh, investing in a lot of these other things like equipment. So technology in helping them save on labor is actually where most of the investment's coming from right now. It sounds like uh, that transcends a lot of different professions and industries in America right now, labor shortages. Uh, talked to a friend of mine recently in, in eastern North Dakota and had, was big into the, the propane and fuel business. And, and again, one of his biggest, biggest challenges is uh, labor, finding drivers and those uh, those types of resources. So I think we're seeing that kind of all over the country. Uh, obviously, in the state of Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's noted for a lot of great things, uh, milk production, corn and soybean production, uh, just to name a few. Uh, but boy, if you ever really wanted a, an opportunity as a younger person to have a, you know, have a future, uh, it seems to me, Ben, that that would be a great, great uh, industry to get into right now. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the industry, uh, the agriculture industry right now um, needs good people. They need people to come work on the farm. Um, there's no other, no better place to go work where you're going to come in every day, do something different and new every day, and come out with a handful of experiences that you'll never get anywhere else. Um, and and so, you know, if people really want to help out, they want to work on a farm, they want to live out in the country, be able to hunt fish, now's the time to do it. They need good people. Hey Ben, so do you do you also see the supply chain issue on on buildings and the 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 milking equipment and such too that you're seeing in other industries? Yes, there has been a lot of supply chain issues. Um, mainly, we just can't get enough equipment fast enough. Um, there's been, uh, for example, there's a there's a radio tower uh, right close by where I live and they can't get the equipment to put on it and they've just recently done it in order to transmit the Wi-Fi signal. So technology, like we said before, more farmers are investing in technology. You know, this rural connectivity, this rural Wi-Fi for all of their their systems that they need for GPS, you know, there's been a massive um investment by this country in uh, rural communications so that way you know we can supply some of these things like GPS systems and be able to communicate uh, with the cloud and a lot of these systems aren't being completed even though the infrastructure money has been put out there because they can't get the equipment to put on the tower so we're constantly seeing that um, across the whole entire ag industry. Uh, that that that's an amazing story. You know, you talk about you think of a dairy farmer and you think of 
you know, manure on their boots and, and that, but they rely on technology just like every other industry. And you need that segment of people coming into work and understand that and, and a whole community, even though, even though a town might only be three, four 500 people, you need that technology to come into those communities to supply that because that's what we eat and drink. And, and, and if we, if we don't have food, food or, or at, at our readily available to us is, it's going to, it's going to decimate the whole economy. So that's, that's, that's an incredible story. Yeah, it really, it really touches on, uh, pretty much the technology of, of every industry, uh, affects food. It affects the supply chain. It affects, uh, truckers. It affects the banking industry. Um, when you can't get equipment to support all those industries, uh, things slow down. Um, you're not able to grow. Uh, you talked about GDP. You're not able to grow as fast as the economy wants to grow. I mean, the economy wants to grow, but if you don't have the technology to support the economy, it, it, it's just a sluggish thing to overcome. Folks, you're listening to Ben Tilberg. Ben is the farmland manager for Pfeiffer's Farmland Management in Wisconsin and Eastern Minnesota and Central Minnesota doing a fantastic job taking some time out of his schedule to be with us here today. So we pr- certainly appreciate Ben being on board today. Ben, thank you very much. Hopefully you'll stick around for the final two segments here. We're going to be bringing on Andy Murnack with Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management in Western North Dakota. So we'll get kind of both bookends here as Steve and I sit here at the Fargo Studios just looking out at some beautiful weather. Folks here who've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer, sponsored by Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management. You can reach any of Pfeiffer's farm equipment and farmland managers or farm auctioneers, I should say, at 877-700-4099, or you can email an info at pifers.com. You can talk to any of their auctioneers, farm real estate agents, or their farmland managers. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Appreciate everybody joining us again this morning on your favorite radio station. And just a reminder, you can listen to all of our shows, including today's, on our podcasts at either Apple or Spotify. Just go to Pfeiffer's.com and click on the radio banner, and you can listen to any of these previous shows that we've had. Steve Link, the broker for Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management is co-hosting the show today. Ben Tilberg was on the first couple of segments. Ben is the farmland manager for Pfeiffer's in Wisconsin, a majority of Minnesota, covering mostly eastern and central Minnesota. So appreciate Ben being on with us. He's our in-house dairy expert, does a fantastic job. In fact, nobody does it better. Also joining us now for segments three and four, Andy Murnock. Andy is uh, part of the Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Land Auction Company out in western North Dakota. He headquarters out of Bowman, North Dakota, and also part Part of the Murnack Herford Ranch in Bowman County, North Dakota. Appreciate Andy coming on board today. Andy Hage, thanks for being with us. Just wanted to touch base with you on a couple of things. We want to, first of all, see if you could give our 
listeners uh, kind of a recap of the terrible uh, blizzard that swept through that part of North Dakota here. Just I think it was in early May, kind of an untimely storm, obviously. Uh, it was rather devastating to a lot of farmers and ranchers. But if you could just kind of give us, I know, you know, obviously there there is certain there's extremes. Obviously, some people did pretty well, and some a lot of a lot of adverse situations there. But if you could just give us a general recap of that that storm that took place recently. Yeah, you know, we had a, basically two weekends back to back right here. Yeah, you know, well, you could virtually draw a line from Bowman all the way to Minot and everything from there to the north and northwest. And the first storm uh, was devastating to some, and the second storm was devastating to others. It just kind of seemed like they they just kind of piled on back to back anywhere from 20 to 60 or 70 inches of snow in, in certain areas that they're reporting. Uh, the nice thing about it, obviously, it was uh, wet, heavy snow, as, as most April snowstorms are, and it brought a lot of moisture uh, to some to some well-needed dry areas. But, you know, it still doesn't overcompensate for the for the death loss that we're seeing on, on some different livestock operations. Numbers are still kind of coming in. Uh, there's no definite number as to, as to how many head were lost from, from here to Williston and from Williston to Minot or even in the, into the Devil's Lake country. Uh, I was up in Williston here just the other day, and, and there's still there's still some operations without power because of those storms. And it looked like the uh, you know the power lines are just still laying in the ditches, and and they're trying to get some of those back back in uh, in operation again. But there's there's standing water over there, and and even ever since with uh, you know probably four or five inches of moisture that came with the, with those two blizzards uh, in the extreme northwest portion of the of the state. You know, it was followed by another five or six inches of rain, so they're, they're standing moisture and they're were, were delayed on the crop side, uh, crop planting side up in the up in the northwest quadrant of the state, and and there's still some down power lines. I know they're they're working diligently to still get those put back up, but you know there was a lot of uh, a lot of damage, I guess, done from from Canada to into South Dakota. You know, it's interesting. You know, last year at this time and throughout most of 21, we were talking about the extreme drought, especially in central north central North Dakota. And Western North Dakota, which, you know, you guys are kind of in the heart and soul of all of that. And what a difference uh, the last couple of months have made. And I know it's even delayed uh, spring planning in your part of the country. But uh, like you said, you know, it's, you know, unfortunate, you know, there are a lot of livestock losses. But, you know, obviously the silver lining is it, it sure seemed to add a lot of a lot of moisture to the system, Andy. Yeah. And obviously you never never ask one <clears throat> one portion of the industry to to, to give a sacrifice for another but it you know it certainly it certainly has come with a, with a welcome sign of moisture you know last year there's areas that seem you know virtually recorded less than two inches of moisture all year uh, for the majority of this region they're probably already recording six to eight inches of total moisture in the last month um, the delayed crop season actually was has been kind of a blessing as we just hit a major frost event here just in the last cup uh, last weekend uh, if, you, if you remember and it's it's been uh kind of over, overcompensated for, for really warm weather this week. And, of course, uh, you know, this morning we're expecting today to be in the in the mid-80s, upper 80s uh, here in western North Dakota. So, I, I, you know, yesterday was a good good day for planting. I think today, uh, this weekend, is going to be a good good weekend for planting, too. Does it look to you like, uh, you know, everybody's kind of getting caught up? I know you guys like to have a lot of your crop in early out in western North Dakota, but you can get hit. Uh, and you have a history of getting hit with these uh, late snowstorms and blizzards and also frost. But is, does it look like generally now throughout the southwest quadrant, especially that you guys are getting caught up on your planting? You know, we're, we're still definitely behind. Uh, you know, here in a couple of days, we're looking at the first of June. Usually by the first of June, we'd like the majority of the, of the roll crops and small grain crops to be to be in the ground. Um, last year, the majority of the crops were, were either at 90 to 100 percent planted. Uh, this year, a week ago, I think we were less than 50 percent. Uh, right now, I would expect most operations to be over 70%. Uh, 
And usually by June 1, the only thing we, we have left to plant is uh, maybe some late canola or some, uh, or some, uh, some sunflowers, which, you know, we start seeing down here in Bowman County a lot more prevalent. And sunflowers will start coming here uh, and be finished here in the next couple of weeks. But, I, you know, we're, we're still delayed, and I, I'm starting to see some operations that are finishing up their small grains, their, their, their spring wheat, their hard red spring wheat, and, and the corn's kind of in full bore right now. So, you know, we're probably going to be two, two and a half full weeks behind uh, a typical schedule, but we're putting crop into probably one of the best seed beds that we've, we've seen in, in quite a few years. So, you know, there's a lot of optimism. Uh, the top of the ground's got a little bit of uh, dryness to it because it seems like every time we get moisture, it comes sideways with, you know, 40, 50 mile an hour winds. And that's certainly been drying out the top portion of the, of the farmland out. But I, I you know, we're, we do have a substantial amount of sub, subsoil moisture. So it's interesting. You talked about that seed bed. It's kind of, it's kind of fun to watch a big uh, piece of equipment go down the field and not have a, a big uh, uh, dust bowl right behind you. It's kind of nice to see that, that's isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The four-wheel drive erosion uh, control has been pretty good this year. So, yeah, that's outstanding. Uh, I'm glad everybody's finally getting caught up out there. What uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the grasses uh, throughout uh, that part of North Dakota, cool season grasses, you know, usually have a big power to pack in in the spring and early summer. So, I, I would imagine with this uh, snowfall and the moisture, you're seeing a pretty substantial recovery on the pasture ground and grazing land out there. Yeah, so far so good. You know, uh, grass uh, throughout the region had a tendency of being overgrazed last year you know guys are trying to hang on as much as they could with the, with the hay shortage and and obviously trying to utilize the resources at their fingertips probably harder than than most years trying to manage grass so so this year it actually looks really good um, we're still delayed turning turning cattle out into pasture guys are trying to let the let the grass recover a little bit but you know i i think the grass is made as long as we get a few more few more sporadic showers here for the next 60 days and and uh, turn the cattle out and I think we'll be in be in pretty good shape on the grass side. Hey Andy, this is Steve. I uh I uh asked Ben earlier in in an earlier segment how many cuttings he uh, he sees in Wisconsin. I'm going to ask you the same question. How many cuttings of alfalfa do you see in western North Dakota t- on a typical year? You know, we Yeah, on a typical year we're we're looking for one one solid first cutting, uh lucky to get two full cuttings. Um, but usually the second cutting round here is pretty spotty, so they'll you know either either spot cutting some lower draws anywhere there was excess moisture, trying to trying to you know gather as much as you can. You can take a little less alfalfa on the second cutting just because the uh, uh, the net energy or the nutrients within that second cutting, you know obviously with alfalfa gets better with each each cutting throughout the year. Um, I'm not going to say I've never seen anybody take a third cutting out here on on dry land uh, alfalfa in, in Bowman or Slope or Adams or Headinger County. Um, I won't say it never happens, but it's it's pretty rare. Sure, and then and then another question for you too: Are you seeing corn producers? Are they planting it for to harvest corn? Or are they doing doing silage corn out there? It really depends on the operation. You know, the uh, the diversified operations that are sitting with either a feedlot or a livestock operation uh, side by side with their with their farming operation, like like ours is. Um, you know, there's obviously a, a a backup plan with with corn so you can always you know knock some of it down for either either hay to be sold or you know uh, or silage to be cut um, if it doesn't produce a crop but i would still say the majority of the corn being planted is is for grain corn you know it's interesting too you talked a little bit uh, earlier in this segment about you know there'll be some sunflowers put in there you know that's a that's a, a crop that you can put in late i mean you can get that into probably even up to the second week of June. And it's kind of fun for those of us out here in the Valley to come out to Western North Dakota and over the years seeing a lot of sunflowers. But I would imagine with late spring planting, even out there, you're going to see uh, more sunflowers put into the ground out there, Andy. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely think you can. Um, it really kind of comes down to the availability of seed if anybody's trying to make late decisions. Um, <clears throat> you know, otherwise, I would think the planned acres won't change a whole lot. Most operations either either plant sunflowers or they don't. Um, if you if it's their first time, obviously they need different different equipment for for harvest and so on and so forth, different headers and and, and such. But um, I think this year we could see the existing operations that are used to planting sunflowers maybe kicking out another 10 or 15 percent uh acreage possibly and just kind of i think we'll be a lot smarter here in a couple of weeks we'll see how the uh the rest of the small small grain uh, planting goes well and on kevin you brought up you asked me a question earlier too on how people changing their their planting acres one thing i forgot to mention too is what, what what's their marketing plan did they sell so many acres of corn or so many acres you know sugar beet producers have to plant that many acres and so some of them aren't going to have the luxury of changing their crop just based on what they what they did for marketing and so there's a lot of decisions that look easy from when from us when we drive by the fields but but you know they they have to they have to plant so many acres to fulfill their contracts that they've already sold and with these high commodity prices there's probably a lot of acres there a lot of a lot of bushels that have been sold yeah no question about it steve you bring up a good point you know like the sugar beet cooperatives you know they're a captive co-op so who you have to deliver your allotment to those co-ops. Folks, I tell you what, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer, Andy Murnack with Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management out in Bowman, North Dakota, covering all of the, actually covering the Northern Plains for Pfeiffer's, especially on the farm equipment side. And Ben Tilburg, he's Pfeiffer's Farmland Manager in Wisconsin. We come back from uh, this break. I want to ask Steve Link and Andy Murnack and Ben Tilburg uh, one question, and that is what has been the most pleasant surprise uh, that you have seen in in our industry and in agriculture in the auction and real estate business here in 2022. So I want to get their take on that because we got a 950 segment coming up here in just a little bit. But before we do that and go to our break, I want to thank all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management for every week span- sponsoring our radio show and all of our podcasts on Spotify and Apple. We appreciate it. You can get a hold of them at 877 877- 700-4099, or you can email any of the Pfeiffer's farm equipment and farmland auctioneers, their real estate agents, or their farmland managers at info at Pfeiffer's.com. Nobody, nobody does it better. Folks, you're listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll be right back after this break. Been nobody going to do no 35, then I have sold it to you right there. Good bird, just great. Bye. Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. I'm in twenty five bid thirty, and thirty thousand dollars here now. They're gonna now thirty thousand dollar bid and help Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank all of you for joining us here in our final segment today. Steve Link, the broker for Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management, is with us today. He's co-hosting the show today along with Andy Murnack from Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Farmland Management out in western North Dakota. And Ben Tilburg joining us, special guest today, Pfeiffer's Farmland Manager out in Wisconsin, eastern and central Minnesota as well. So this last segment, uh, I want to get a little bit more involved in the uh, personal, professional side of the business of each one of these uh, three gentlemen. So we talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, they feel of note that's been a notable experience this year or something that they've really noticed in our profession, agriculture or in the auction industry. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of national highlights, um, a lot of them not so good, but there's a lot of good things, I think, taking place. Uh, 
you know, on the downside uh, nationally or internationally, you know, we have the Ukraine war, obviously, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has just been a horrible thing to witness. Uh, you can watch it uh, almost minute by minute as it unfolds. And, and then also inflation creeping throughout America and how devastating that has been for American families and the prospects for more inflation and, and likely a recession by the end of the year. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of good things that take place in our daily lives. So, Ben, I'm going to start off with you, first of all. Uh, first of all, Ben, you do a great job for Pipers. I hear a lot of great things about you uh, from our clients. Uh, they think the world of you. You bring uh, you bring a smile uh, to the game every day. You work hard. You're very passionate about. You actually volunteer and work on your brother's uh, dairy farm uh, a couple of nights a week, helping him out. Uh, it's something that you truly enjoy. But Ben, what what of note have you uh, uh, taken uh, from the early start here in 2022? Well, uh, well, Kevin, I think you just made it on my Christmas list this year. Um, after that. Nice I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I I think uh, I think for me, uh, one of the most impressive things is you know, and I'm going to go big picture with this. And what I mean by that is is you know, you know, basic profitability for you know pretty much all the commodity markets, uh, including landowners on rent. Um, you know, we 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 have talked a lot about you know rising prices and inflation and. And, you know, but, you know, honestly, you know, farmers haven't seen these commodity prices in a very long time. And it's kind of exciting to see, you know, the opportunity that everyone has um, on the commodity side and then on the landowner side, you know, working with, with the landowners that I represent in, uh, in rent structure, you know, that's been, it's been an opportunity there to, to uh, uh, um, increase some of the rents that we've had here and work with the farmers and, and make sure everybody's profitable. But, you know, I think everybody's in a win-win situation right now, even though inputs are high and things are high, but, you know, when everything goes up, you know, everybody inches together. And so I think even an, even an inch in this competitive market is a huge plus for everybody. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point to make. You know, you obviously want to create a win-win situation and, you know, hopefully as the year unfolds, you know, we're not going to, see the 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 sharp increases in input costs that we've seen because you know obviously everybody's putting in a crop right now but then they have to take that crop off you know right now with diesel prices what steve five and a half dollars across the country now and some people estimating it's going to be seven eight nine dollars gallon i can't imagine that happening i recently just filled up my uh, diesel pickup here recently and you know last year I was filling it up for 75 80 bucks filling it up now for hundred and forty dollars so i'm gonna have to start taking my bike to work or working harder right you gotta make it on the other end if you're gonna spend that much money right exactly well ben thank you for that insight appreciate that andy i'm gonna go out to andy murnack who's uh pfeiffer's farm equipment uh auction manager and also does a great job in the farmland management side and the real estate side kind of one of our all around guys to go to and and uh, probably one of the best technology, best adapted to technology guys that, that I've seen, not only at Pfeiffer's, but in the industry, he brings incredible uh, insight and, and performance to these farm equipment auctions on the Internet. So, Andy, what have you seen of note this year that, uh, that has surprised you or that is uh, worth talking about? You know, obviously we're, we're seeing uh, as much strength in the used equipment market or used vehicle market as we've as we've ever seen. I believe they're following the you know the, the overall national trends of 
of inflation. You and I have talked about it a couple of different times, Kevin. We're obviously looking at 30, 35, some cases 40% or more as far as a value climb from last year to this year and different uh, different types and styles of equipment. Most notably this year is likely going to be the semis. Uh, the semi-market has really taken off. Uh, you and I were talking on the break about a pair of uh, Volvo trucks that we sold north of Hazen here just recently for 79000 I believe last year they had probably been in the mid-40s or or even, you know, crept over 50,000 on the on the open market last year. And then if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, we had a had a great sale up in Williston, North Dakota. We had 11 uh F450 and F550 pickups that we averaged just a, just under 100,000 a piece on on those 11 pickups. And that would have been the first time in history that we've ever seen that kind of strength in a in any one specific market, especially for a for a retirement sale. So, um pretty much been across the board. Obviously, the uh, we're, we're attributing a lot of the a lot of the gain on on equipment value due to the shortage of, of the new equipment market and of course the uh, excessive prices of of new equipment that you're going to find at the dealership so uh, management decisions and management structures are are really starting to key in at different operations towards looking at the at the used equipment market with um, maybe modest hours versus zero hours and, and we're starting to see a lot of those decisions being made from from operations that uh, that haven't bought at auction for quite a while Interesting. Uh, I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen where you could actually sell used vehicles for more than what you actually paid for them. So usually it's a depreciating asset, but now we're seeing them appreciating. Steve, you do a great job managing this herd of uh, uh, just breakaway thoroughbreds at Pfeiffer's. I mean, what a great group of salespeople you got going there, and, and you bring a depth of knowledge and experience to the game, too. What have you seen of note this year that really sticks out? I, I think it's, it's, it's a simple one or an easy one for me. I think it's this continued demand for land. You look at it, we come off a year that there that land prices increased 40% in one year and people are buying land. Historically, they want over time land appreciation and return on investment averages 8, 9, 10% over time, right? Well, if you have one year that increases 40%, that's going to be some negative appreciations over time to get us back down to that 8, 9, 10%. And so the continued demand for land with the strong appreciation that we had last year, coupled with only two, two and a half, three percent return on investment, that's what's still surprising me. But people love to buy land. They want to pass on that legacy. They want to maximize their their equipment that they have or or, or the family, and so they can roll over those acres. You know, land is just so resilient. I think um, in 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 our region because people want that good cropland. And so that's, that's what surprised me is this continued demand for it. You know, every sale, we seem like we have 30, 40, 50 bidders. Um, you know, we were recently in New Rockford and we, uh, we rented out a, a space and it was shoulder to shoulder bidders and buyers there. And there was active buyers and there were online active buyers and there was phone bidders. And that was just another, another, uh, instance where, where the land market is, 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 is surprising me week in and week out. You know, one thing that surprised me more than anything is, you know, we've all noticed that, you know, obviously good farmland, good, excellent farmland is is bringing a premium. Like you said, it's up 30, 40 percent in 21. Now it's up another 10 percent this year. But what surprised me and of note this year more than anything is that how the more marginal land has increased in value. And we didn't see that in 13, 14 and 2015, did we? You're right there. I mean, I I that that's a sign of there's certain areas where you can't wait for that perfect piece of land. And so if you're farming in a, in a 10, 20, 15 mile radius of your farm and a, and, and maybe a more marginal one, um, you know, you have to go after that. 
Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I got the A-team today, Steve Link, the broker at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, and Andy Murnack, who's Pfeiffer's Farm Equipment Manager and does a great job with farmland auctions and real estate transactions, too. Ben Tilburg, Farmland Manager for Pfeiffer's in Wisconsin and a majority of Minnesota. Uh, nobody does it better than these three gentlemen. Nobody, I'll tell you that. If you want to get a hold of our sponsors, all of our friends at Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty, their farm equipment and land auctioneers, their farm real estate agents, or their farmland managers, you can call them at 877-700-4099 or email them at info at pifers.com. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. We'll look forward to being with you next week.